Section 23 of the Watergate Report, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 2. Chapter 5, Milk Fund, Part 7. B. Milk Producers' Activity, prior to march twenty third the milk producers strategy to secure a price support increase for nineteen seventy one was essentially twofold to try to convince officials at the department of agriculture to grant the increase and to enlist the support of congress in securing an administrative increase if that failed to try to secure a legislative increase as discussed below, the first part of the strategy failed when Secretary Hardin denied any increase on March 12th. The second was partially successful up to a point, but was then abandoned when a presidential increase was secured. 1. Presentations to USDA A. Pre-March 12th According to Mid-AMS official Gary Hanman, the systematic effort by the dairy industry to secure price support increases dated back to at least 1964 or 1965. Those efforts usually included the preparation by industry economists and submission to USDA of economic data supporting an increase. In that regard, the effort for a 1971 increase was no different than in the past. In late 1970, several months before the scheduled decision, economists for the dairy co-ops began preparing an economic presentation in their effort to obtain a price support level at 90% of parity. The dairy co-ops also encouraged and supervised an extensive campaign of letter-writing by dairy farmers to the USDA, requesting an increase in price supports. Contributing to these studies in 1971 were PARS staff economists, including Tom Townsend. The document was reviewed and edited by Dr. George Merrin, who had been a consultant to MP after leaving his post as an assistant secretary at the Department of Agriculture in 1968. The principal submission, entitled The Dairy Industry and the Public Interest, The Need for a Price Support Increase, dated February 24, 1971, and signed by Associated Dairymen, an amalgam of the three co-ops, was presented to Secretary Hardin and Undersecretary Campbell by Nelson, Parr, and Hanman in a meeting prior to the March 12th decision. Both in the written document and in their oral briefings of these and other USDA officials, the co-op leaders presented all of their principal economic arguments for an increase, including one based on a rise in feed costs to farmers and a drop in farmer income. As noted above, USDA officials and the Secretary, in his March 12th announcement, took into consideration the arguments relating to increased feed and other farmer costs before deciding that a price increase was not merited. B. March 12th through 23rd. Following the Secretary's March 12th decision, Hanman and others met on March 15th with Secretary Hardin and his staff at USDA, where Hardin defended his decision and stressed what he believed to be the additional cost to the government of the requested increase. 
hanman in his testimony in executive session before the select committee on november thirteenth nineteen seventy three acknowledged that the co-ops had already presented to usda prior to march twelfth all relevant economic data justifying an increase in their possession and that there was nothing new to submit in their meeting on the fifteenth hanman said that they tried to prevail upon usda officials to change their minds the department officials fully familiar prior to march twelfth with the position and arguments of the dairy co-ops as well as of members of congress apparently were not moved by these industry efforts in fact the select committee uncovered no evidence of any departmental review of the economic data between the twelfth and the twenty-third two efforts to secure congressional support the dairy leaders had throughout the early months of nineteen seventy one also devoted substantial effort to securing congressional support with the object of bringing pressure to bear on the administration for an administrative increase the co-op leaders organized letter-writing campaigns of their member farmers to their congressmen or senators resulting in an outpouring of thousands of letters urging a ninety per cent price support level visits by hundreds of dairy farmers to their congressmen and senators were also arranged many of the members of congress contacted passed their constituents requests on to the usda in addition between the end of january and march twenty third the date of the president's decision twenty-nine senators and eighty-eight congressmen expressed their views to the administration by correspondence primarily to the department of agriculture virtually all requesting an increase in the price support level to ninety per cent of parity ampi di and mid am were the prime movers in these efforts and their leaders took a leading role bob lilly was one of those principally responsible for this effort drawing on his political experience at the state and congressional level lilly helped direct the program of co-op employees and members contacting those members of congress with whom they were familiar prior to march twelfth the principal aim of these contacts was to gain congressional support in convincing the administration to grant an increase on february twelfth nineteen seventy one nelson parr and townsend of ampi met with speaker albert congressman mills and john byrne republican of wisconsin william galbraith u s d a congressional liaison and clark mcgregor counsel to the president for congressional relations in the speaker's office they discussed three or four substantive programs including price supports presumably one of the purposes of the meeting was to indicate to the administration the industry and congressional support for a price support increase speaker albert and congressman mills communicated their views to other administration officials as well connolly testified that he spoke with mills several times about this matter the director of the office of management and budget george schultz told the select committee staff in a november twenty first nineteen seventy three interview that mills contacted him twice prior to march twelfth to argue that an increase would not lead to overproduction according to schultz he received a similar message from speaker albert some time after march twelfth 
thus the administration was aware prior to march twelfth of congressional support for a price support increase to as much as ninety per cent of parity none the less based on a careful review of the statutory criteria the secretary refused to grant an increase following march twelfth the efforts of the dairy industry on the hill increased between march twelfth and twenty third bills to raise the support level to a minimum of eighty five per cent for one year beginning april first nineteen seventy one were introduced and sponsored by a total of eighty eight congressmen and up to twenty nine senators mostly from farm states two congressmen introduced bills to raise the support level to ninety per cent a more detailed analysis of the extent of such congressional activity is presented below in section four part one before any hearings were held on these bills the president reversed the secretary's march twelfth decision granting the same relief as did most of the pending legislation eighty five per cent for one year in fact as explained in section four part one subheading one d the president's action was more favorable to the industry than was the proposed legislation even before the actual reversal however there is evidence discussed below that ampi because of communications with the white house and other top officials had abandoned its effort to secure legislation and focused its effort to secure an administrative increase from the president before turning to these matters a comment is in order with respect to the milk producers contacts with members of congress the white paper notes that many of the senators and congressmen who supported milk price legislation in nineteen seventy one received contributions from the dairy industry in nineteen seventy two the white house offers no evidence and does not argue that there is any direct connection between the introduction of such legislation and these contributions which were made more than a year after the nineteen seventy one decision and which were publicly filed indeed as the white paper admits the dairy industry also contributed to senate and congressional candidates who did not sponsor such legislation in any event whatever the reasons for congressional contributions either before or after march nineteen seventy one the fundamental questions to which the committee's mandated investigation are addressed remain was the president's decision influenced by or made in contemplation of contributions by the dairy industry to his nineteen seventy two presidential campaign were the dairy contributions solicited made or received by the president's aides campaign officials and or the dairy lobby for or because of the price support decision if so did the president solicit or accept the dairy contributions with the knowledge that they were made for that reason no matter what the basis for the president's decision c white house involvement prior to march twenty third in the nixon administration there was a standing instruction from the president with respect to any major commodity decision by the department of agriculture such as setting the milk price support level there was to be no final decision without review of the proposed decision by the office of management and budget omb and the council of economic advisers cea at least ten days prior to the public announcement 
in the case of secretary hardin's march twelfth announcement such a review was undertaken in addition top presidential advisers as well as the president himself were involved in the decision-making process both prior to march twelfth and between march twelfth and twenty third one march twelfth decision a omb and cea review consistent with the president's rule secretary hardin's proposed decision was forwarded on or about march first nineteen seventy one to dr don rice assistant director of omb with responsibility for usda and several other departments and agencies rice assumes that he received the proposed decision plus supporting material from hardin campbell or palmby rice said that he presumably sent a copy of the material to gary Seavers, his counterpart at cea and now a council member according to rice he wrote a memorandum probably dated march third nineteen seventy one recommending no increase in price supports cea was in agreement apparently schultz asked rice for more information and on march fifth rice wrote a follow-up memorandum in which he strongly supported hardin's position he noted in the memo that hardin and campbell were also in favor of holding the line although hardin was a bit skittish not because of the economic arguments but because of the political pressure being exerted by the co-ops as a result hardin wanted the president himself to approve the decision rice sent copies of his memorandum to ehrlichman and other presidential assistants presumably including john whittaker an aide to ehrlichman with the title of assistant director to the domestic council for natural resources and the environment including agriculture b presidential review on the basis of the evidence gathered by the select committee it appears that the president was consulted and did approve secretary hardin's proposed decision not to raise the support level ehrlichman stated to the select committee staff in a february eighth nineteen seventy four interview that he assumes the president was briefed on the proposed decision ehrlichman explained that's ordinarily the kind of thing that ordinarily he would be told about rice stated that based on several factors he believed that the president approved the proposed decision before it was announced first a cabinet officer's request such as hardin's for a presidential review would ordinarily be honored second two documents identified by the white house indicate direct presidential involvement one from schultz to the president dated march ninth and the other from schultz to the white house staff secretary dated march twentieth reporting on a meeting with the president on march fifth nineteen seventy one with various government officials and covering a wide variety of subjects one of which related to dairy prices the president himself has confirmed that he was directly involved in the first decision in his press conference of november seventeenth nineteen seventy three at the conference of a p managing editors the president stated the method in which the decision was made he said in part i will tell you how it happened i was there cliff hardin in the spring of that year came in and said the milk support prices are high enough i said all right cliff that is your recommendation the department of agriculture 
He said yes. Apparently, then, as of March 12th, there was unanimous agreement among Secretary Hardin, his entire staff, Director Schultz and his staff, the CEA, and the President, that milk price supports should not be raised in March 1971. 2. March 12th through 23rd. With Hardin, but not the President, publicly committed to no price support increase, AMPI considered that the best chance for an administrative increase lay with the White House and the President. Of significant help to AMPI in contacting top White House officials, such as John Ehrlichman, was Murray Chotiner. A. Murray Chotiner. Murray Chotiner was a longtime friend and political adviser to the President. He became, in 1969, general counsel to the special representative for trade negotiations in the White House, and in January 1970, special counsel to the President. Chotiner stated that in 1970, Harrison introduced some co-op leaders to him, but that they did not discuss any substantive matters or the subject of political contributions with him while he was in the White House. It appears, however, that Chotiner was involved in dairy efforts in the areas of import quotas and price supports while on the White House staff. Nelson believes they discussed one or both matters with Chotiner. Moreover, the Select Committee has received testamentary and documentary evidence that dairy documents on import quotas were circulated to Chotiner in 1970, prior to the President's favorable decision. On March 5, 1971, Chotiner left the White House, and on March 8 became of counsel to Reeves and Harrison, becoming, with Harrison, the milk producer's key representatives to the White House on price supports. At the same time, the firm's annual retainer from AMPI was increased from approximately $40,000 to approximately $108,000, in part to pay Chotiner's salary. In addition, AMPI agreed to pay some of the costs of Chotiner's office furniture and fixtures. Chotiner stated that he spoke to Ehrlichman at the Gridiron Club dinner on March 13th, as well as to Whitaker, Colson, and Cashin between March 12th and 25th. At the same time, Harrison sent letters to Colson and Whitaker. Their message was primarily political. Chotiner told each White House official that the President had to carry the Midwest to win the next election. He added that the farm vote was necessary to carry the Midwest, and that the administration therefore had to do what was necessary to satisfy the farmers. Since the Democrats in Congress were supporting a milk price support increase, he contended that it would be silly for the administration to sit back and let the Democratic Congress take credit for the increase. Harrison wrote a letter, dated March 19th, to Whitaker on the subject of 85% of parity for dairy industry, April 1st, 1971. After some background information, Harrison set forth the following considerations. Economic Considerations This is a political question, and requires a political answer. To more than review economic considerations is dangerous. However, there is no economic problem. 
USDA's own figures show that total dairy product consumption increased 1.6% during the third quarter of 1970 over the third quarter of 1969, and increased 0.8% in the fourth quarter 1970 over the fourth quarter 1969. USDA's figures show further that consumption dropped in 1968 and 1969, and then dramatically turned around, rising 0.4% in 1970. Thus, the contention that maintaining 85% of parity would result in overproduction and decreased consumption is proved erroneous by the use of USDA's own figures. In addition, for the past seven years, USDA's figures have had to be adjusted about six months after their publication, the adjustment usually resulting in higher consumption and lower production figures. Hence, the announced increase for the third and fourth quarters of 1970 is very likely actually to be greater when the final figures are analyzed. Political Considerations Dairy industry leadership has been very materially assisting the Nixon administration, tangibly and intangibly. Farmers voted Democratic in 1970, principally on economic grounds. Since then, the administration was beginning to project a more decisively pro-agriculture image. To reduce parity now is to undo the good which was being done. To reduce parity now and then attempt to increase it effective April 1, 1972, is political dynamite, because 1. the purpose would be transparent, and two, the increase at that time would result in a price increase to consumers, which it would not if parity were set at $5.05 for April 1, 1971, and continued at $5.05 for April 1, 1972. The increase, if there is to be one, must come, or at least must be announced, within the next few weeks. There is strong Democratic support on the Hill, apparently led by Speaker Albert, to legislate 85%. This may be an attempt to sandbag the President, ruining him with dairy farmers if he opposes or vetoes the bill, and giving the Democrats credit if he signs it or administratively raises parity. Ironically, until March 12th, the dairy industry has gotten from this administration substantially what it wanted, though unfortunately always after a vigorous effort. The letter concluded, Conclusion. For political, if no other reasons, parity must again be set at 85%, even if the president has to do it. The president's name, not the secretary's, is on the ballot. In a letter to Colson, Harrison assured him that 85% of parity was, except for cheese purchases, the last major item the industry will request for some time to come. Later in March, Chotiner figured in a key call to Nelson and a meeting linking milk producer contributions to the announcement of the President's decision. See Sections 4, F, and G below. B. John Ehrlichman Ehrlichman was the President's chief advisor for domestic affairs. Ehrlichman stated that Whitaker probably brought the price support matter to his attention prior to March 12th. He was, as we have already discussed, also aware, prior to 1971, 
of the one hundred thousand dollar political contribution by the milk producers in nineteen sixty nine ehrlichman's dual role as an adviser both on the substantive policy question of the milk price support decision and on campaign activities continued during the march twelfth through twenty third period his discussion with Chotiner on milk price supports took place on the 13th. The previous day, the 12th, his logs indicate that he lunched with Kalmbach, and on March 18th, his logs indicate two meetings on campaign spending with several individuals, including John Dean. 1. Meeting on March 19th On March 19th, Ehrlichman held a meeting in his office, attended by Hardin, Schultz, Whitaker, Rice, Cashin, and Richard Cook, a White House congressional liaison, to discuss the milk price support decision in the face of industry and congressional pressure for an increase. The discussion apparently included reference to contributions and the scheduled March 23rd meeting between the President and dairy leaders. A briefing paper for the meeting, written by either Rice or Whitaker, had been prepared and distributed. Ehrlichman stated that whether or not it was mentioned in this document, there was a discussion at the meeting of interest group politics and congressional politics, although he could not remember anything more specific. Furthermore, according to Cashin, there may have been some statement at the meeting that if the decision were negative, the contributions from the milk producers might not be forthcoming. Cashin hastened to add in the staff interview that no one present at the meeting appeared concerned about the contributions. By the 19th, the meeting between dairy leaders and the president on the 23rd had already been scheduled. There was a discussion at the March 19th conference of the upcoming meeting, whether it should be held, and if so, what to do in the interim on price supports, According to Rice, it was decided to tough it out, at least through the meeting, so that the president would be meeting with industry leaders from a position of strength and not of capitulation. There the matter ostensibly stood until March 23rd. But there is some evidence, discussed in the following subsection and in section 4D, that by the 19th several milk producer officials believed that the president would reverse the decision after the meeting on the 23rd. 2. Ehrlichman's Call to Parr The Select Committee has received testimony from Dwight Morris that on March 18, 1971, John Ehrlichman called David Parr. Morris was, at the time, secretary of the AMPI board, and had spent several weeks in Washington in March working with Parr and others to secure price support legislation. Morris's testimony concerning a phone call to David Parr during that period is set forth in full. Mr. Weitz. Now, did there come a time when you overheard a telephone conversation between Mr. Parr and someone purportedly from the White House in connection with this effort. Mr. Morris, yes, there did. Mr. Weitz, could you tell us the circumstances of that? Mr. Morris, well, the phone rang, and Mr. Parr took up the phone, and I think I went into the other room and also picked up the phone. Mr. Weitz, this was in Washington in a hotel suite? Mr. Morris, that's correct. 
and I listened, and the man on the other end was saying, and I don't know who he was at that time, and I still really don't know who it was, was saying, we want this congressional effort called off. Mr. Parr said, I can't call it off. The man said again, the White House wants this congressional effort called off. And Mr. Parr then said, I can't call it off. The man said, I don't believe you understood me. The president wants this congressional effort called off. And Mr. Parr said, I don't believe you understood me. I can't call it off. And then the man from the White House said, You've heard of the Federal Trade Commission, haven't you? Mr. Parr said, Yes. You've heard of the Justice Department, haven't you? Mr. Parr said, Yes. And Mr. Parr went on then to say that you just trot them out. We'll meet them any time, any place you say. Mr. Weitz. And then he hung up? Mr. Morris. That was... Mr. Weitz. Who terminated the conversation? Who hung up? Mr. Morris. I think the man from the White House, if I'm correct. Mr. Weitz. How did you know it was a man from the White House? Mr. Morris. That's what Mr. Parr told me later. Mr. Weitz. Did he also, to the best of your recollection, tell you who had called? Mr. Morris. To the best of my recollection, he said it was Mr. Ehrlichman. But I, at that time, I didn't know Mr. Ehrlichman from Mr. Haldeman or Mr. Colson or anybody else. But that's the name I think he used. Now, Mr. Parr, incidentally, does not recall this conversation, which I think he's completely honest in, because there were hundreds of calls a day into that place, and at that time we were talking to the White House several times a day. Mr. Morris went on to testify that by the next day, Friday, March 19th, he understood that the President was going to raise the price support level. As a result, he said that there was very little effort the following week, which began just ten days prior to the start of the new marketing year, to work on the Hill to secure price support legislation. This testimony about a change in strategy after the 19th is corroborated by the earlier testimony before the Select Committee of Bob Lilly, one of the key AMPI employees responsible for AMPI's legislative effort. Lilly says that he was very upset over this move, not because he thought that the milk producers had sufficient votes in Congress to both pass price support legislation and override a possible presidential veto. He did not think they did. Instead, he felt it was very impolitic and damaging to milk producer congressional relations first to ask members of Congress to take a public stand for price support legislation in the face of administrative opposition, and then for the co-ops to abandon that effort in midstream and switch to the presidential route. Nevertheless, it appears that after the 19th, reliance was again placed upon favorable administrative action, this time by the President and not the Secretary of Agriculture. End of section 23. Recording by Maria Casper.